everybody, Randy here. Before we get to today's episode, I want to thank Herbal Active for their sponsorship. Herbal Active is a high-performance brand of CBD-infused products specifically developed for those striving to live an active and healthy lifestyle. Head on over to their website, herbalactive.com, U-R-B-A-L-A-C-T-I-V.com, and you can check out their wide array of products. Uh, They're infused with 99.5% pure CBD extract. They're legal all across the country, all 50 states. They contain zero THC. So whether you're buying your first CBD infused product or you have tried other brands before, Herbal Active is a positive health care for an active, happy, healthy lifestyle. I know Tron uh, is on. He takes drops in the morning with his coffee. You can take them in the evening with a, I don't know, a cup of tea. You can put them in workout smoothie. They have balm, which you can apply to sore muscles, aches, and pains. They have mints that you can take whenever you need, uh, and they, they have many other products. So head on over to herbalactive.com. Use promo code TRAPDRAW20 at checkout to get 20% off your order. And we thank Herbal Active for sponsoring this episode. Oh, everybody, welcome back to another episode of The Trap Draw. I'm joined, as always, by my guy TC. TC, how are you? I'm great, Randy. Uh, I know we were so jacked up talking to uh, to Ming Tsai in, uh, in part one, but we, you know, no pun intended, we left some stuff on the table. So, you know, we had to run it back. Well, I, I was, he was a tour de force. Um, you said it was the most jacked up you've been I maybe didn't this have, year. I didn't have to drink coffee this morning. Because <laughs> I knew we were talking to Ming again. At 10. His, his life force, I think his energy is. Oh God, if I could tap into that. Yeah, uh, I, I think we need to do a wild world of golf with him. Oh my, he'd be the ultimate wild world of golf. That would be yes. so good. Um, but he even said, I I texted him because we in in part one we kept him. He had a uh, a call and we went over and he was late for this call, and so I I texted him and apologized for for keeping him. And he was like, Oh. We gotta, we gotta record again. I got some stuff I gotta tell you about. So, um, yeah, he just picks right, <laughs> and he just where he left off on the on the story about his favorite bite of food he's ever had. Yeah. So, um, yeah, he's he, we're just gonna jump right back in with uh, with Chef Ming Sai. So, hope everybody enjoys. And down the road, if we can do some video work with them, I, I think it's moving to the top of our priority list yeah. for sure. So. Uh-huh. Uh, in, enjoy uh, part two with Chef Ming Tsai. I, I had to cut my story off short, so let me tell you the full story about my best bite. It's a much better story than what I told you because that was that was the truth. But let me tell you what really happened. So back to that restaurant in Paris, in Rennes, in Champagne. So the story goes: so I'm with my girlfriend now, wife Polly, and we were staying down at Hotel Rinky Dink for eighty bucks a night. Because where this restaurant was located was in a Relais Chateau. It's probably 800 a night. Most literally just right out of Hollywood set. It's a white chateau with beautiful, like 100 yards of green grass with pine trees on both sides. And we're sitting on the patio looking at this thing. It's like Augusta, right? So beautiful and green. We're having a glass of Clico Grand Dame, right? Beautiful glass of champagne. And, <laughs> and they bring out an amuse and they bring out the menu and, and I'm specifically there to try this one dish, this signature dish, which I will repeat again because I actually, the way I always tell it, you, you guys would so appreciate it, which is a Proby one size truffle wrapped in foie gras mousse, wrapped in puff pastry, served <laughs> with this sauce perigord, which is a truffle sauce. It's $100 a plate, right? This is on the, on the menu that I saw before we landed. 
I was so bummed because I get the menu at lunch and we always go to lunch. And this is my high recommendation to everyone that goes to Europe or any three-star restaurants. Go for lunch. It's much cheaper. It's the same food, same chef. And then you have all night to walk it off. And my classic duo is a really nice three-star, two-star meal. Then we have pizza at like, you know, 11 p.m. that same day. (laughs) Anyway, so... I'm so bummed this dish is not on the menu. I'm like, oh, no, we don't serve it at lunch. I'm like, that can't be so. Unfortunately, I, I speak enough French to, to get in trouble. I'm fluent now, but back then I was broken French. Asked the maitre d's in any way possible. And, and because Jacques Tebert, the truffle king, called Boyer for me and said, hey, look, a chef friend of mine's coming in. Dude, I'm like a dishwasher here to Boyer, right? This is like I play the flutophone <laughs> and there's Bono on stage. I mean, the the, the chasm between me and, and, and Boyer was huge. So he asked and he came back and said, the chef would be, would be proud to serve you his dish. So not only do they come and we order the tasting menu, not only do they serve one, they serve two balls of love. Right? These are 100 bucks a plate. We're talking about the early 80s. That's literally like a $300 dish, right? And I take one bite, and I tell you guys, it was, it was, I said it earlier, right? It's a food high, food orgasm, food epiphany. I'm like, holy shit, how does, how does food taste this good? I cannot believe <laughs> you can make something this texturally rich and crunchy and smooth and it just, bam, in your mouth. And... It was so good. I gobbled mine up. I have this whole theory on food, especially if there's texture to it, like a baked puff pastry, you know, foie gras truffle thing or French fries and onion rings. They're great for 30 seconds and then they start to decline, mm-hmm. right? So that's my reason why I eat quickly when especially with something like that. So I literally gobble it down in like five bites. It's so good. I'm trying to savor it, but it's just so good. And, and for my girlfriend, wife, Polly is, is a little too rich for her. So she ate like a third of hers. And she also was much smaller than me. She knew there was like six courses coming. She's like, do you mind? I'm like, do you mind? Are you kidding me? So I, I, I got to eat 1.67 balls of love, right? I'm like, oh my God, this is unbelievable. It was so good. I excused myself from the table to have a moment by myself. I mean, I was like, holy shit. And if I smoked cigarettes, I would have lit, lit up a marble of light, but I don't smoke cigarettes. So I walk through the, this, the, the lobby, the foyer of this hotel, right? Beautiful marble, a huge marble staircase up to those rooms that we can't afford. Uh, thinking one day maybe, right? And then I walk through this enormously beautifully carved cherrywood door frame. I mean, it had like gargoyles in the corners. It was just so beautiful. I'm looking at this door frame and right in front of me is the men's room. So I'm walking to the men's room door. I look down the hallway. There's the women's room door, another doorway. And I see the chef in his white, pristine, like a freaking angel, like light beams coming off his head, talking to his beautiful wife, Martine, or Maxine, and they're having an espresso. So I'm thinking, oh my God, I got to tell him the epiphany I just had. So I go to the bathroom, I do my thing, I, you know, I'm making sure I'm getting my hair all this. I'm meeting a three-star Michelin chef for the first time. This is a big fucking deal, right? And I'm like, oh my God, okay, no troubles in my teeth. Okay, and I'm going through my head. And not fluent in French then, right? Like, okay, how do you say this? You know, enchanté, j'aimerais bien. Okay, well, so I walk towards him and I stop at the women's room. And here's the, another Nordic card uh, dorm frame. And I'm thinking, you know what? Out of respect, and, and, and I guess it's a blue ginger, I don't want to be interrupted, right? So I'm not going to interrupt the three-star mission chef. Plus, I want to see his kitchen because I love doing kitchen tours. So I'm going to tell him, you know, what an epiphany, what an amazing bite that was after the meal. And the last thing I remember is I'm walking towards this other door. goes, hey, another tall Chinese. Bam! I run into a fucking full-length mirror. I run into <laughs> myself. And I'm like, it doesn't matter. I'm like holding my nose and forehead. And the chef comes running over because it doesn't happen that often. And I'm like, I'm just trying to stay enchanté as I'm holding my nose and putting my hand up. And... And at that moment in life, guys, you either bust out laughing or bust out crying. So I bust out laughing. I'm like, oh, my God. I go back to the table, and I'm just cracking up. My girl, Polly's like, what's so funny? I said, I just got to meet the chef. She goes, that's awesome. She goes, she ran into a fucking mirror. She goes, what? She immediately takes her instamatic clicking camera, the box, goes to the mirror, takes a photo of the grease mark, my nose and the forehead <laughs> left on the mirror. And she presented it to me day, you know, weeks later when we got home and says, you know, one day you're going to be at the Zumba, remain humble and watch out for those mirrors. And I'm like, oh my God. And the worst, 
The worst part of this story is at the end of the meal, now the major dean is tough, comes over. And one, I couldn't do a kitchen tour. I can't be, there's the idiot that ran to a mirror. So I wasn't going to do that. And two, the major dean's like, Monsieur, that happens all the time. I'm like, bullshit. That does not happen all the time. People are not whacking the mirrors. I wish I could say I was like five glasses of champagne in and that's what did it. No, I was like a glass and a half in. It was actually the, I was still, it was the endorphins for the, the high I got from that truffle bite. And so that was singularly the best fight ever. And I've yet to have it again because I really want to do it without the mirror incident. See if I can handle it. Well, I there you go. Yes, I'm. I'm so glad that we could hear the uh, the the full. Yeah. Unabridged <laughs> the edited story. version was not, was not nearly as good. Yeah, the yeah. fight was the same, but not nearly as good. How you said you you haven't um, had that same high taking a bite of food, but how often right. over the course of a year, you know, do you, do you eat something and you're just kind of struck by like, holy shit, this is so good. I tell you, I tell you what goes through a chef's mind when you have something that's so extraordinary. The first thing, and this is in my mind, and probably some of my great chef friends are like, damn, I should have thought of that. Right? That's the first thing you think of, <laughs> that combination, whatever it was. Oh, damn, I could have thought of that, right? Um, but that's a great question. Uh, I would think in a year's time, I mean, extraordinary probably two to if I'm traveling a lot, two to four times because extraordinary could also be quite often some flavor you've never had before. Right. Which of course, the older we get, I mean, at 56 and all my chef friends, you know, it's getting harder and harder to get a flavor you've never had before. Right. Cause all we do is eat every single day. Um, so maybe once a year you, you, you get introduced to some product, some flavors like, Whoa, where, you know, uh, like an Indian, a long Indonesian peppercorn. I remember like eight years ago, and I thought I knew all peppercorns. And this, it's it's like the length of your first digit of your pinky, but really skinny. And it's peppercorn on steroids. It's like it's like a peppercorn that's walked through the spice markets of Southeast Asia. So it has all of the other exotic kind of alluring flavors you would think of Southeast Asia in a freaking peppercorn, right? So. When I discovered that, I'm like, oh, my God, and start using it in you know, black peppercorn, lobster, et cetera, et cetera. Um, but, yeah, I would say the most two to four times. I'm, I'm going through my head right now because uh, I'm sure you're curious what my last amazing bite was recently. Um, wow. That's a really – I have to really think about that. You know, I had um, – I have to admit, I was at, um, um, this sounds so self-serving because it's a dish that I created, but it's a dish I've been working on for 30 plus years, which is Peking duck, right? And December 20th last year, just by just sheer luck of timing is I opened a new restaurant in Montana called Baba, B-A-B-A. Baba literally means 88. Ba is eight in Chinese, so Baba is 88. Baba also means father. And if you see the, um, the Chinese characters, just two key, it's two lines. So it looks like a mountaintop. And so Baba together, the way we did the logo, is two mountain peaks next to each other, which is exactly what Yellowstone Club is. It's, it's Lone Mountain and, and, and uh, Pioneer Mountain, so it's two peaks. So that all worked out for this new restaurant. The dining room also happens to be an eight-sided dining room, like a bagua. Bagua is what you use, feng shui masters use to study chi and flow of energy through a room. So that's at this restaurant. And they, they bought these two, Rob the chef bought these two vertical ovens, which is what I've always wanted to have, a really good Peking duck oven. But unlike the ones in China, this has a rotation, so it goes around or in a circle and rotates the bird on its own axis too. So if you can picture five, five peeping ducks going around in a circle <laughs> clockwise, being hit by gas flame as all the wonderful fat renders off. So I have two of these ovens. So I can do 10 ducks at once. But I finally, I think, mastered and has made, uh, to me, the best peeking duck I can make, which is a tea-smoked peeking duck. So I've combined two of the oldest techniques in Chinese cooking, which is tea-smoking um, and peeking duck, and i using both techniques. So to help render and start the rendering the fat. We do everything traditionally, right? We dip it, we blow it up, right? You actually take it literally a black and decker compressor, 
literally stick it in its neck like a tracheotomy and then the, then someone else has to hold the butt closed right because the cavity and you force air through the through the system and it separates the skin from the meat so then when it cooks all the fat which is now loose renders off that's the secret of peaking duck tea smoking is a whole nother process you take rice tea and sugar and you brine your duck and you brine your duck with peaking duck as well right you do a five spice salt and you smoke it. And that's a wonderful dish. And usually in China, they then deep fry it. It's a crispy whole duck, and it's quite good. But it doesn't have that separation of skin I talked about. So I've combined both. So I tea smoke the ducks first in this great smoke. We smoke 20 ducks at a time. Then those ducks can hang and rest. And then we fire it up in this oven for one hour. And it's fucking the best peaking duck I've ever had. And I've had, I've had probably now, I mean, we've probably done probably a thousand ducks, you know, since the opening. And all these well-traveled people at, at YCU, and these are, I mean, and don't write these names, but just put in perspective for you. It's like Jeff Bezos and Zuckerberg and people like that are members here, right? Who travel the world and who know Peking Duck because they have so much business in China, right? The owners of YCU, so they're like, dude, this is the best stuff I've ever had in my life. So that, that self-serving because I created it, but that's 35, 40 years of figuring out a recipe. So something I'm fairly proud of because it's just got, it's got that smokiness and it's got the crispy skin and the fats rendered off. And it's, you know, we serve it in fried steamed bao. So these baos, like you get a, you know, pork belly bao, but we steam them first, get them fluffy. Then we deep fry them and put a five spice sugar salt on them. That you stuff with a hoisin lime schmear and pickled cucumbers and then tons of duck and skin. It's a good bite. <laughs> I've not hit a mirror, but it's a pretty good bite. And uh, so that, so that I'm proud of. When um, you travel, are you, is, do you go back to Paris every so often or what are your, yeah. where are your yeah, kind of I poles as far as, yeah, yeah, as far yeah, yeah. as travel? So one, one place that you wouldn't think of is Australia. Cause Australia is a true melting pot like our country, yeah. but a true East West melting pot. Right. I mean, it's right next to all the Asian countries, all Southeast Asia, China, Hong Kong, right? It's right there. Um, and it has, of course, some of the best products, mm-hmm. period. Seafood, wine, lamb, beef, right? Wagyu, uh, and the most amazing people. But their food, East-West cuisine is what they do there. All their top chefs, they don't call it, they call it New Australian. But it's all East-West. They're grabbing Galongo and Lime Leaf and this, because it's just around them, right? I mean, they're literally in the epicenter of East-West. So Australia is a place I try to get to every two years. It's hard to get there once a year. Do you go to Melbourne uh, or do you go actually, to Sydney? Uh, both. both. Melbourne, Sydney, and I tell you the place I have to take my wife to because I shot shows there and we've not been there. And unfortunately, it's burned down right now because of the fires they had in southern Australia, right? This was not even a year and a half ago. A year ago is, is this place on Kangaroo Island, which is an island off of the southern coast of Adelaide of Australia there. It was literally the most amazing resort I've ever seen. Built on a cliff. It's, it looked like you're on the cliffs of Scotland, right? And waves crashing below you. It only had like 12 suites. And the one in the end, I didn't get to see. But it was one of these places that, that it's like a flying saucer of a restaurant bar lands in the middle of a rocket, you know, a, a cliff with rocks and nothing else. And then you walk down this like six foot cherry wood hallway and then on the right is a door. And then maybe 30 feet later is another door. And there's only 12 doors, right? And each one of these doors you open up to, and I've never seen a room like this. I mean, a huge coffee table that has a lit fire in the middle. It's one of those ethanol things that you light and play with and it doesn't smell right. And heated, gigantic. The, the, the bathroom is bigger than my bedroom at home. There's all heated floors and, I don't know, 15 shower heads. And, and James Bond controls everywhere to open and close all the curtains, all the windows, a private hot tub that overlooks this cliff on the outside. I'm like, oh my God, this is amazing. Except that by myself, <laughs> it's like, and, and it burned down to the ground. And yeah. so that, so that, that place is coming back. And that place was so cool because you walked into the bar and the restaurant was just in the same open room. And they literally had, I mean, I could not tell you how many bottles, like 200 bottles of booze, like a, Fully stocked by and and the weird and both types of chartreuses and absinthe and then all the weirdest shit and then a library of probably about a hundred bar books. So the deal was you sat down, and the guy comes over and says, "Sir, 
Do you care for a cocktail? We have options. I can make you a cocktail, anything you want, gin and tonic, martini, easy. You can pick one of 150,000 cocktails, which is in front of you in these books, <laughs> and I'll make it for you. Or you, sir, can go up and pick any cocktail, and if you need beet juice, if you need something, you need freshly chopped ginger, we can do that too. So you can have any cocktail in the world you'd like. What would you like to do? I'm like, oh my God, this is so cool. <laughs> it was just it was amazing. And, and so what'd I, you get? I, I, what'd you lead it off with? Oh, I had Corona. No, no, no. I, had, <laughs> <laughs> um, I think I was in the mood because I just shot shows. I wanted something really light. So, so I think it was something as simple as, you know what? Make me a really frothy daiquiri. Give me one that has a good head on it. So that means an egg white. And, and he fired up a daiquiri in the chilled martini glass. That was so good. I had a second one. And then... Um, what did I, then I went brownish. Uh, God, I can't remember. I saw something that was whiskey based. It was like an old fashioned on steroids. Um, again, I, I, even though I know I could do it, I'm like, shit, you're the pro. Let's have you do it. So he had to like master some cherries on the bottom of it. They were not fresh because the wrong season, but he basically came up with a fucking delicious kind of cherries, cherry sweet. I don't like sweet drinks, but this one in particular was great because it was like, Two of those Luxardo cherries. Mm-hmm. It was fantastic. Yeah. And then the chef was awesome. He made a he made a confit lamb belly. Oh my god, it was so good. Anyway, that, that you know what? But that's five years. That was a great <laughs> fight. That lamb belly. So we on this on this island, Kangaroo Island, as you can imagine, literally hundreds and hundreds of thousands of, of wombats and kangaroos, right, all over the place. And of course, tons of lamb as well, because Australia, and New Zealand, obviously have just a truckload of lamb. So we're, you know, we're shooting this show. We're going to the farms for the lamb and the lamb are raised. And of course, eventually slaughtered, but which is a free rate, completely free range. I mean, literally these lamb are looking over crashing waves and just, you know, beautiful winds and tall grass and, and they're eating, they're eating like spring onions. They're eating this succulent grass. They're eating all of these amazing herbs because it just goes wild there. They're lily flowers. And the chef then grabs all of these things the lamb eat. So then he cooks a dish using everything the lamb normally eats, which are delicious sweet onions and the garlic chives and stuff. And he takes the belly of this lamb, not the particular lamb I was petting, but the, but the guy's brother. <laughs> and, and he sous-vides it, right, which is the faster way of cold feed. Sous-vides it, and then with all tons of all of these herbs and salt and pepper, and then he, it comes out of the sous-vides, then he just sears it in cast iron, gets both sides crisp. It, it was like a lamb bomb, right? Because it was fatty because it's belly, but there's some meat, so nice and gamey, but not overly gamey. But because the way he cooked it, it was like super crisp. But then when you bite into it, kind of the lamb fat explodes in your mouth. Um, yeah, that was that was that would have been a top fight in the last five years. So. <laughs> How often do you get up to Montreal? From Boston. It seems like I, I was in Boston for a couple of years. And we would try to get up there like every year because it's like going to Paris, but five hours. Yeah, away. Montreal, I love it. I love that the cobblestone road they have and all those restaurants um, and just the wet beef. And yeah, I, not, not as much as I should, to be honest, right? Because it is. You could drive there. You could take a 45 minute puddle jumper, too. Um, I probably, I, I used to go more, believe it or not, as a child when I was living in Dayton, Ohio. Because when you lived in Dayton, Ohio, you had no Chinatown. So the closest Chinatown to get your pink boxes of dim sum and all the ingredients my parents wanted to cook with was either New York or, or Toronto, Montreal, all mm-hmm. right? And Toronto was even closer, so we'd do that first. But when we're in Toronto, then we'd go up to Montreal as well. Yeah, I think, I think Montreal is really the small Paris um, in, in so many ways. Uh, it's a great eating town, for sure. I mean, uh, there's, there is great food in every town in this country, too. You just have to, you just have to know. You just have to, I mean, some of the guidebooks are okay, but it's best to just ask local. Find whoever lives there, you know, best is go to a, a, a good, a, a decent restaurant with a good bar and talk to the bartender. Because that bartender eats at the good restaurants, right? They're not, they're not going to waste money at the three-star Michelin. Yeah. Of course, they probably could be really good. But they know they're a great place for the best Indian food, the best Chinese, the best, you know, bistro, whatever. Locals know better. 
Ming, one thing we haven't, uh, you know, supposedly this is a somewhat golf podcast. And, golf, it, haven't and, we, golf. and we haven't asked you about golf, uh, but I understand you, you do play. What? Uh, when did you get into the game? And, uh, you know, what I do play. My, my Tyler's balls are 88. I got 88 on them. So there's that. Um, I've been very blessed. I, so I played squash, as you know, I mentioned that, right? And I didn't literally play golf till, um, I, I hacked around with it, right? All through college and, and whatnot. And, and I was not very good. And, and cause when you're a racket guy, you figure you can do anything. Golf is not something you can just pick up, right? It's not, it's not going from squash to ping pong, which works pretty well. Um, I joined my first club, Dedham Country Club, when I moved to Boston 22 years ago. So that was 90, I guess 98 was when I, 98 is when I had my first golf lesson. So what is that? 32 years ago? What no, was the catalyst? No, 22, uh, no, no, 22. 22. Yeah. 20. Yeah. Thank you. Uh, eight years of college, 22 <laughs> years ago. Uh, well, so that's a long time, but it's not like my brother started when he was 13 and all my friends that started in high school and whatnot. But, you know, um, so what am I? I'm 56. So, yes, I'm in my mid-30s, and I got my first lesson, uh, and then I got hooked. Because then once you start hitting the ball, then, and like squash, which I mentioned, you can get better by yourself, right? You can mm-hmm. hit buckets and buckets and buckets of balls, Right. And, and you can watch a video and you're like, oh, I'll do a swing like that. So in theory, <laughs> which is really hard to emulate that swing, because that's why his name is Tiger. Everyone wants to emulate that swing. Um, but you, you can get better, right? You can work on touch. You can work on length. You can work on all that through by yourself. Um, so I got hooked and I started playing um, because of my, my job being a chef. Uh, you know, as chefs, the good news is we always get invited to all the events because we cook at them, right? So it doesn't matter if you've been the Oscars or, or, you know, the masters or anything in between, uh, they always want good food. So, um, probably my favorite event I've done, I've done three times the Tahoe celebrity championship, uh, in Lake Tahoe. Out at Edgewood. Out at Edgewood. Oh my God. Cause you're actually the pro, right? You know, but I was, I was an 18 handy back then. And I, it's just, you really shouldn't be out there. Um, but it's so fun. <laughs> it's just so fun, right? Because you, you are the pro, which is ridiculous, right? And um, and some of the coolest, funnest people ever. I and mean, that's when I really got to bond with, with uh, Charles and Barkley, who literally made me look like a PGA pro, the way he spoke. <laughs> yeah. um, uh, but just literally the nicest guy in the world, right? Just so smart, so funny, loved at that time he was still on his huge party party trail and just cases of patrons feeding all the fans as kids. Just that was that was quite fun. Um, I've never played a tournament besides that, right? I've never really played I've never played a club championship. I've never I just I, I don't know what you know, I guess I do know why. I never have three days in a row, four days in a row that I'm gonna be home. Um, because of family or because of travels. So that's probably why I've never done a tournament. Um, but I would love to. I mean, you know, now I just got, I'm a 7-9 as of today. I was an 8-2 last week. And so I'm decent. Um, there's a lot of players better than me for sure. And, uh, but, but golf is, golf is a lot like cooking, right? You this it's, it's muscle memory and consistency, right? I mean, you, you to to create a great dish, you can't be thinking, okay, I need to hold my knife with my two mm-hmm. fingers this way to slice. No, you can't be thinking about how you're holding your knife if you're trying to create a dish, right? So you can't be thinking, it, it, us bad golfers think about rotate your hips through as you're swinging. You, you're, you're not supposed to be thinking that when you're making a swing. You're supposed to be thinking feet beyond the hole and bring it back or whatever, right? So my point is practice, 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 consistency, consistency, consistency matters in both golf and cooking. So after I've made this technique, this ajose, ajose is when you sear something and you have a bunch of butter, then you bring the butter with a spoon on top of that piece of salmon or piece of meat, right? So that technique, that's muscle memory. You can't be thinking, okay, I got to get my spoon filled with the butter and put it on top. You should be thinking about what can I add to this? What, how do I make this better? And that's how a great dish comes up. You're not thinking about the technical stuff. And I can guarantee you these golfers, when they're in their zone, there's no way Nicholson Tiger and these guys are thinking about 
I got to get my hips through, right? No, they're laser focused on where this ball needs to land and they visualize it's going to land there and then come back, right? And so there's so many similarities and you can't, there's no shortcuts. You cannot not go to the range and become a better golfer. And you cannot not break down a thousand salmon until you actually can do salmon with your eyes closed. Um, it's so analogous, right? And, and there's a lot of quiet time. When you're cooking, it's not always that yellow screaming on the line. That's during service. Mm-hmm. But there's so much quiet time when you're creating a dish. And, and honestly, there's quite often I create a dish not in the kitchen. I, I will create a dish literally on an airplane because be, I will be thinking about a dish. And I'm like, you know what? No. Fennel pollen. Yes, fennel pollen is going to be better than fresh fennel because of this reason, that reason, the color and the texture. Um, so you don't always, I mean, how many golfers do a lot of training off the golf course, right? I mean, let's talk about all the sports psychologists. Like, does every PGA pro use one? Probably. That right? seems like Someone, it. <laughs> yeah. they, may not be, they may not be called sports psychologists. They just may be actually be called coach or dad, but same thing, mm-hmm. right? Or this bartender. Is you need to be thinking about. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Grey Goose. It could be called Grey Goose. Exactly. Yeah, talk to Ernie Els back in the day, right? But, 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 but the similarities are, 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 are really there. They what, really are, which is why so many of us just love to play golf. What do you right? struggle with the most? Good question. Um, I would, as of late, but maybe not this year, because I've changed my stroke completely. It was has been putting. Now I'm gripping way down on a big fat grip, down so that my my and I'm and I'm left hand down. So I switched the grip, right? So left hand forward, super straight left arm, finger actually on the rod. So that's how far down I am off the grip, right? <laughs> and I find that short stroke back. You can't. It's so. It's much harder to get offline when you have a really short backswing and just think about accelerating through. I think the biggest rookie problems, everyone details, right? And they want to flops to the right. You know, you have to stroke it. You have to really accelerate through. And that's for everything. That's for irons and drivers as well, right? But in putting, so many people, myself, used to just do stuff. So at one point, I was getting bigger putters, heavier putters. Well, it's not the knife, right? It's the person using the knife. So I can still detail with a heavy putter, right? It doesn't it didn't matter. It's, it's what's in the head. But now I'm really just trying to strike it through and just leaving the head right at the hole. If you leave it at the hole, the ball's pretty much going to go towards the hole, right? It can't go anywhere else if you follow through to the hole. So so that that I hope I fix. I've not played a lot this year. It's just so much harder to get on. You know, by Charles River, you got to make it. So I I missed it again today. Wednesday at seven a.m. it opened up. So now every two times this you know weekend's taken. So, but I, fortunately I have some friends. Hopefully they got something. <laughs> um, but yeah, so putting was I my I think my strength is actually chipping. I, I love my sixty four degree right. Whoa, cracks and up and over. <laughs> uh, you know, yeah, but you know why? It's so much easier because for me to have to open up my 58 was harder for me. And I would hit the, I would hit the hob. I would hit, I would not hit it because I had to move the head to make it a 64. Now with the 64, I just put it on the ground and I just take a swing because it's already doing the lock for me. Right. I mean, that was, yeah. that, that helped my game so much. Um, uh, and honestly, I have concept irons and driver from Tyler's there. They, because of Tahoe and friends of Tyler, they, they, believe it or not, sponsored me. They don't pay me, of course. I'm not a pro. But, but I get my equipment. And being going to, going to Carlsbad and getting fitted mm-hmm. from the Golf Whisperer, literally the guy that does <laughs> Charlie Hoffman and Facts and does all, all the pros, I got, I got him. And what an experience. Oh, my God. Carlsbad was just unbelievable. And these concept irons, I mean, not cheating, but they're so solid, right? They're, they're just like the – just like the one of the ones, oh god, one of the ones is the holes, not holes of them. You know the blades I'm talking about, well, out of Scottsdale. Ming, we gotta, um, Ming, we gotta tell you, we're we're sponsored by Callaway, so I'm not sure, <laughs> you know. I'm just well, you know, let's let's talk. <laughs> I'm just teasing, but yeah, maybe we can get you in a set of uh, Callaway irons if you're ever looking, you know, to make a to make a move. <laughs> I hear they have a great driver. A lot of people talk about their drivers. <laughs> Hey everybody, Randy here. Sorry to interrupt. I want to ask you the last time you made a small change that led to a huge difference. Changing your socks can make a huge difference in your daily walks, your workouts, or while hitting the links. Features, F-E-E-T-U-R-E-S, 
has engineered a sock with targeted compression, anatomical design, and moisture wicking material for unsurpassed performance. They recently sent me several pairs. Uh, if you're anything like me, my sock drawer was a mess. Some mis mismatched pairs, lots of holes. And so I was happy to put them into play. I recently have walked three or four rounds with them. And I must say my feet, usually my feet get really sore after a round of golf. And I think that probably has something to do with my socks, you know, the blisters. It's just, it's a mess. With features, I had none of that. They were extremely comfortable and I didn't even notice them on my feet, which is probably the highest endorsement I can give for a sock. What's cool about Features, uh, they're a family owned and operated company out of North Carolina. They've been in business since 2002. They have a lifetime guarantee on their socks. Features are so durable and long lasting that if you're unsatisfied at any point, they'll give you a replacement pair, no questions asked. Features socks will change how you feel about your socks forever. And right now you can get $10 off your first pair of Features when you use code TRAPDRAW at features.com. That's F-E-E-T-U-R-E-S.com, features.com. Again, that's F-E-E-T-U-R-E-S.com. Promo code TRAPDRAW for $10 off your first pair of feature socks. We thank them for their sponsorship. And now back to our conversation with Ming Tsai. I do want to talk about one thing, if I can talk about my new project which yeah. um, this thing means things, if you don't mind. Please, that was, um, yeah, that was next on our list. Because I, because I, because it's part of, it's part of one of my, my whole really foundations is, is give back. All I, all I've done with my two kids, they're 18 and 20, I'm so proud of them. Says, Guys, I don't care what you do. Just make sure you're giving back, right? There's no free ride. You, you are so lucky. Like I am so lucky. I have always had food and shelter. I even had parents that loved me and they're even still alive. So I know how blessed that is, right? That's just, that in itself is, is amazing, right? And my kids, my goal for success, I always told myself, I will be a true success in life if I can give my kids at least what my parents gave me. Um, and so far, so good. Um, I can honestly say they've gotten even more than when I was 20 years old. And that's just the nature of economics. But the most important thing is there's no free ride. So figure out what you love, do what you love, because you're not going to be great at anything if you don't love it. So find what you love to do, then do it and give 110%. But figure out in that love how that inherently gives back. Because there's so many people less fortunate than you. Figure that out. And, and they've done that, right? And, and, and I'm very proud how, how these kids are just kind people, right? And that's all I've said earlier about COVID and kindness, right? Mm -hmm. Kindness curve, I'll yeah, beat the COVID curve. So that's something that I've always done. There's an awesome charity called Family Reach. Um, I'm proudly the chairman of their national advisory board. I've been with them 10 years. I've raised over seven, actually eight now. I've raised over 8 million for these guys, right? And um, I, I, we touched upon it earlier yesterday, right? So we financially help families with cancer. Yeah. And so we talked about the Coca-Thon, and of course I raised that half mil, which is awesome. But I, I coincidentally just, no, I'm not a genius. I did not know COVID was coming, but I decided probably six months ago, so four months or maybe three months now before COVID started, um, I, was, I started a new company called Ming's Bings. And this is something that I've always wanted to do. I wanted to do, I wanted to do a type of patty um, that was so much better than all the vegetarian crap that just don't taste very good in the whole foods frozen section. There's Dr. Prager's and Boca's and Morningstar, and they're all bean puree, edamame puree, chick chickpea puree. They're all kind of dense and mushy and flavorless. And um, that combined with when COVID hit, the only two empty aisles in every grocery store was the frozen food section and the Purell TP section, right? <laughs> and so, so by starting this company, this is literally what I've been working on for the last 14 weeks. Uh, thank God, because if I didn't have this project, I would have gone bonkers because obviously with Blue Ginger, with Blue Dragon clothes, uh, there's nothing I could have done. But I, so we basically started, I encourage you to go to mingsbings.com. Um, a bing is a real thing. It's a real traditional dim sum. That's either stuff. The scallion pancake in Chinese is also called a bing. So 
So Bing could be a filled or not filled uh, item that you need with your hands. That's basically, so Ming's Bings, and you'll see, go to the website, you'll see, it's a vegan, actually. It's, it's the healthiest. I mean, I'm all about, my other whole theory on life is you are what you eat, right? And, and I'm actually not a truffle foie gras dumpling, although I do enjoy them. <laughs> but I am, but I eat a lot of plant-based. Asian cuisine is plant-based with meat as flavoring, right? So, you know, a bun and ribeye could feed a family of 10 in China really well, right? It would be just as delicious. They'd just be chopped up and put with a, just a truckload of vegetables and grains, right? So I've always eaten, I've always preach, you are what you eat. I've always said, if you eat healthily and smartly, you, you can avoid pharma. You can avoid hospitals and all these drugs. Pharma hates this because if people don't get sick anymore, they just lost a trillion dollars, right? But, but for us that can get ahead of the curve, you know, eating smart, that's, you know, that's a little less inflammation too, right? Gluten is not great for you, right? I stopped drinking beer a few years ago and I still drink, right? I drink tequila, right? But but beer, I love beer, but I'm like, okay, if there's one thing I'm going to take away, I'm not going to take away scallion pancakes. I'll take away beer because I still got to eat my dim sum, right? So anyway, so I created this thing that one of the healthiest mushrooms in the world is shiitake. So incredibly immune-enhancing shiitakes that are washed over with garlic and ginger. Ginger naturally antioxidant, garlic and red onions, the alien group, very good for building immune system and anti-inflammatory. Watercress being one of the healthiest green vegetables in the world with kale. About a thousand on the NDI nutritional density index, which is a perfect score. And an ingredient you've probably never heard of called water lentils. Water lentils is also called duckweed. It grows on top of water. It's the only green vegetable, only vegetable in the world that has naturally occurring vitamin B12. Vitamin B12 is the deficiency that all vegans and vegetarians have because you get B12 from meat. So if you're not eating meat, most of the vegetarians will take a pill. So here has natural B12 in it through water lentils. We're getting smart fat and smart um, uh, protein from edamames, so from soybeans. Uh, all This whole thing is non-GMO because Whole Foods is our first customer. Um, and pepitas and spiced pepitas. So this whole thing, as opposed to making emulsification, pureeing beans or whatever, we actually wrap it like a big flat dumpling, if you would. And I've created a, this skin down in Pembroke. And this is what I've been doing again the last 12 weeks. That's made from brown rice flour and tapioca starch. So it's gluten-free but crispy like a spring roll, right? Picture it, if you go to the website, it's a five-sided kind of flat patty. We're calling it a filled patty. And you do not need to put it between two pieces of bread. You can eat it, just hold it in your hand and eat it like that, or even eat two of them and put slices of avocado and tomato between them. So that's what a Ming's Bing is. And the one thing we love about it, it's good for the body, it's good for the soul. Good for the body because of all the reasons we just talked about. All the great vitamins. You know, by the way, watercress is seven times more vitamin C than an orange, right? So all these great nutrients. It's delicious. So the most important thing is this is delicious. And we sent out 300 of these packages two weeks ago and 93% favorable rating, which is awesome. Uh, I knew they were delicious, but until other people say it, you really don't know. And because of that, 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 that proof concept. So we got funded and, and so we're going full force now on this. And so this is a vegan, gluten-free, uh, retail costs $2 a patty. So again, I'm trying to help the reason, the reason we have the world's health crisis, the world's worst health crisis is because of obesity. And obesity, of course, causes diabetes and so many other worse diseases. And of course, obesity during COVID is like the worst thing besides being 90 years old, right? And so, and the reason there is obesity is if you have $12 and two children, you're going to McDonald's. Yeah. You don't have a choice. You're a single mom, single dad. You can't go home and God sees me to say, hey, go get chicken breast and carrots and ginger and make this. They don't have time or the pan or the anything, but they have 12 bucks. So that's why people go to McDonald's. And I can't fault them for that. That's sustenance. They have to survive. And that's why these fast foods are just thriving because there is no alternative. There's no way you can go and spend two or three bucks and get something delicious and good for you that would fulfill a child or, you know, you know would satiate a child's craving for the salt and for the, you know, everything you crave when you want a Big Mac or a Whopper, right? Um, so the idea eventually is, is to get it, get it everywhere. Get it. Yeah. I'd be honored to be in a McDonald's. Obviously we're starting with retail. So the paradigm flipped on its head. We were supposed to start in restaurant, restaurant service, university, school, things like that, you know, mass feeding at airports. But of course COVID 
So instead, it's flipped, and now we're starting grocery stores, which uh, which actually worked out fine because these grocery stores, Whole Foods on down, really need something new in this frozen food section. So the timing of this was remarkable. We're so excited, but now we have to now we have to produce tens of thousands of things, and we have to just get this factory up and running. And there's all those challenges, but at least it's at least it's actually doable challenges as opposed with a known. With a known factor, which is if I can produce the tens of thousands I need, they'll buy them. Unlike the restaurant industry right now, there are so many unknowns. Like people have already spent, I, I have chef friends that have spent hundreds of thousands reopening their restaurant, getting the plexiglass in, doing this. And then, of course, it's spiking again in 20 states. So all these governors, rightfully so, are like, we got to close it down again, guys. Sorry, but we can't have a pandemic just, just go through our whole state. And... It's just, and that's the biggest, that's the biggest challenge with COVID is we just don't know. And and, I mean, obviously we won't get into the leadership and what we could have, should have done, but there's a lot of things we could have, should have done. There's a lot of things we could have, should still do. One point blank is mandatory wear a mask. Just wear a mask. It's not, it's not, you can still speak through a mask. So don't tell me, don't give me the thing that's that's your freedom of speech. You can talk through a mask, dude. Right. Yeah. So they just announced that. that down in down in Jacksonville here, and people are, you know, we're we're kind of Florida is a different beast, and and people for the most yeah. part seem to be abiding by it. So it's refreshing yeah. to see Boston, Boston for sure. And we were just you know two three weeks. Ago, I came back from Montana, which was the safest state in the union with Hawaii, but then of course two things happened. And when, when we were in Montana, first of all, when we went to the grocery store, no one was wearing masks besides my wife and I or my kid and I because they didn't have it. They literally had like four cases of COVID in the state. So you can't blame them. It's not in their state. But what's happening now is, of course, summer is one to one to 1.5 million tourists a month go through literally the gates of Montana right there to get into Yellowstone Park. And so all these people, and then YC as well, right? Everyone's flying in from New York and Boston and Miami and Europe to get to this club. So everyone's bringing it with them. And that's just the scariest part because you just can't tell. I can't tell if you have it or I have it. You just can't tell. Yeah. And that's, that's, so that, <clears throat> you know, I, I just, oh, it's, I, I talk to my chef friends all the time. And, and, you know, fortunately, all my great chef friends are, have made it, right? They now have five to 15 restaurants, which is the goal, right? One of the goals, besides being the best chef, is to be a successful chef. But I can't imagine the struggles you go through right now with 10 restaurants, 15 restaurants, right? I have, I mean, I have two, and it's manageable. One's really small, and, and, and but it's closed. And honestly, Will I ever reopen? I can't tell. I can't say yes, because it's a small restaurant packed in tables. So if I do the six foot rule, which is what Boston, Massachusetts demands, ain't no gathering at the bar. And we all know bar is your profit center because it's booze. Yeah. You, 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 you will hemorrhage money. You'll lose, I don't know, 20 or 40 K a month. So to reopen is, would be the stupidest thing. But the only reason all of us just want to reopen, one of the reasons is our staff. We have a, I have a team of 30 people that half are getting unemployment and the other half, well, they're under the radar. And that's, this, that's for every restaurant. Mm-hmm. 50% of all of our staffs are not legal documented people. It just, it, you can't, you don't have enough people in this country. That there would be no golf courses speaking of golf, right? Yeah. There'd be no landscape. There'd be no greens, green staff. There'd be like brown grass everywhere. I mean, so, so obviously that's an immigration policy issue, which none of us can solve, but hopefully maybe this will bring it to light. But these other 15 of my employees, you know, they're, they're being paid by me because, you know, I can, I got the loan and I use the loan, even though I'm close to pay them through you know June, but then what happens to them? Yeah. I can't keep supporting them. Right. I mean, I'm one person and this story is for every mom and pop restaurant, any restaurant with a bar, our, our paradigm is shifted. You have to either pivot hard. If you're lucky enough to be in a neighborhood with hundreds of thousands around you, then you can do the kits to go and lots of to go food and whatnot. And you can possibly survive. But if you're a destination restaurant like Blue Dragon, we're in the seaport, which has 120,000 people a day used to drive to the seaport to go to work, mm-hmm. which is why our business at lunch is so strong, but no one's driving to work anymore. And you hear the stories. 
a lot of these companies are like, well, we're just going to get rid of our office. We're, we're actually making more money and more efficient by not having you guys waste two hours commuting to work. Right. So that's a new, that's a new, new. So the, that just is going to crush lunch business in the financial industry and the super. Right. And then, you know, I'm not, my wife and I are not just clamoring to jump into an indoor restaurant anytime soon. I don't see me eating indoors till COVID's clear. I mean, I will eat outdoors in a patio or sit at a picnic table with a lobster roll. Sure. To sit indoors in a restaurant? Why? It seemed like it? it seemed like this was really poorly timed for Boston, especially too. Like I saw something the other day, Eastern Standard and Island Creek are oh, maybe God. closing down. Like it seemed God. like, you know, rents are going up like crazy through the through the city and and then and then this happens on top of it. It's it, it's wild. Oh, it's a triple whammy, right? And plus there's no Red Sox. So that's what destroyed Eastern Standard and, and right? That whole hotel and everything, right? I mean it's just, you know, even, you know, my, my, like, I mean, if you just think about it, and by the way, it, it is affecting not, it, it is affecting the poor, the worst, right? East Boston and Chelsea, where you have six to an apartment, right? The, 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 the pandemic is just riddling them, right? So the, of course, the highest concentration of people dying in Massachusetts are blacks and Latinos, right? And that's just, that happens with any disaster. The poor suffer the most. But, but COVID doesn't discriminate. It, it it's it's affecting people that have large businesses too, yeah. right? I mean, just think of all the sports, right? I mean, you know, Cam Neely is a buddy of mine. He's you know GM of the Bruins, and and Charlie Jacobs, who's run Delaware North, which is a huge billion dollar company, right? Their concessions stopped in one day, right? <laughs> think about the hundreds of millions of dollars of beers and hot dogs and stuff that they sold at basketball, hockey, baseball games, done for who knows how long. So it affects every single person and obviously if you have if you have money you have money saved and, and they, i'm not worried about the ultra wealth anyone that's getting hurt that bad but everyone that works at the arenas the sports centers yeah. right all the janitors all the ticket people all of them they're all out too and where do they go i mean how many what do we have 50 million unemployed now or something it's not like you can just go and get a restaurant job or go get a job. It's just not, there, there aren't restaurant jobs. Yeah. So that's another 50 million jobs that don't exist. And do you really want to be an Uber driver taking up strangers? I mean, that's dangerous, right? So it's just, uh, it's one of these things that, uh, that you really need to, uh, you know, hunker down and, and think about the priorities of life that matter. And, and that's, Again, I go back to, and thank God, I go back to the soul kindness curve. If you can, if you can just self-realize what is actually the most important thing in your lives, and that's what's, you, you, when you start losing stuff, that's when you realize, yeah, it's family. Bar none, family is the most important thing in your life, and that, if you don't have kids, that's your parents or your siblings. Um, so you're going to do anything to protect your family first, right? And, and in that it's brought some families closer together. I have to admit, my wife and I admit, for those 10 weeks we were in Montana, we, we have said, we'll never get this time back. We're never going to have 10 weeks with a 20 and 18-year-old teenage boys, you know, for 10 weeks. So that, that, has, that was awesome. To yeah, be that's honest, fantastic. Right? To be able to be with your family that tight. And that, I, we almost didn't leave the house. Maybe we would go hiking together, but we literally, us four, saw no one for about 10 weeks, right? Every now and then go to the store to buy stuff, but that was it. Um, it's very, very special bonding time, I have to admit. I mean, it sucked why we had to do it, but but you do have to yeah. get out of the rabbit hole, right? We all went to the rabbit hole for four days or a week or some two weeks, some are still in the rabbit hole. You gotta get out of the rabbit hole because being in the rabbit hole, you're never, you're never gonna get to a solution. So you have to step back from, okay, this is horrible. I've lost this, 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 and this, but I'm still here and I'm healthy, right? I went through the three people, healthy, infected, or dying. I'm on the healthy spectrum today. So what can I do to better me and my family? And what can I do to better this world? Yep. Um, and then on top of all this, Black Lives Matter happens again, which has been going on for hundreds of years, obviously, but it came to a, obviously a head with, with all the stuff with Floyd, et cetera. And, but it's to talk about a self self-evaluation of the world and humankind 
it's it's happening. It's a reset right now. Yeah. And and honestly, maybe this is what we had. This is what had to happen to reset the United States of America. Maybe it had to take a pandemic to to wake us up because you know how people are now comparing racism and pandemic. You know, racism is a health health crisis, which is true. It is. Right. I mean, family reach is all we ever talk about. The poorer you are, the higher chance you're going to die with cancer. Did it with COVID. So maybe we needed this awakening. You know, unfortunately, 129,000 people had to die for this awakening. Right. And more are going to die. But but just maybe this is going to reset this country and hence this world. Yeah. Hopefully uh, change leadership as well. Realizing that we guys, we yes, we do need all of these things in place. Because guess what? A virus is coming next year too, right? There are always, there were always, has been and always will be viruses in this world. This one just happened to get a name and just accelerate because of all the reasons we know. But, but I'm so hopeful that this reset that people are going to, the good ones, which I hope is going to be 70, 80, 90% of us country are going to realize, okay, we got we got our new normal back, whatever that looks like. But let's take advantage of that and let's just be kinder to everyone else because we're all in this together. And if that happens, then maybe, just maybe it was a good thing, right? Sure. It's so hard to say that, right? But just maybe, because we have to. But if we don't think that, if we collectively don't think that, it's never going to happen, Right. You just, you can easily, it's just like the be at Black Lives Matter. You can just gloss over it. Ah, yeah, whatever, it'll be fine. No, no, has to be action. There has to be action. And, and, and people are stepping up for that, right? I mean, just look at Jose Andres, right? How many millions of people has he fed? Just what, what a hero. Yeah. And he keeps doing it. And, and, and there's lots of people like him when we're all out there. I have, you know, I'm, I'm going to start, I think I'm going to start selling these, these bracelets that this chef made for me. Did they tell you about the bracelet? The you herd. see my Instagram page. Right? Yeah, herd. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So we're going to actually, uh, he and I just, just uh, chatted this morning and we're going to, um, we're going to start doing fun. We're going to start trying to sell a shitload of these bracelets. Kind of like the Live Strong. Of course, Live Strong's are a dollar piece, those bracelets. But love to sell a truck of these bracelets and then donate and donate all the money to Black Lives Matter. Um, because that's the only action that can actually, that we as non-blacks can do is get them some money, get them the resources so they can make their own change. I can't tell them what their change is to be. I'm not, I, I, I'm not living it. They know what the change is to be. So support them with money, support them with business, um, is at least step one. And obviously you have the spiritual support and all that as well. And publicly support, which I will do as well and have done, but financial support is, is something that is just, it's very objective. Just financially supporting it, and and I love the message. I mean, heard yeah. is a great message. Um, so anyway, question for you on so, changing gears. Yeah, oh, sorry, wait, wait, let yeah. me finish. This. So sorry, yeah. my last yeah. thought on the Ming's Bing. So some proceeds, of course, of Ming's Bing do benefit Family Reach and Dana Farber, the best cancer research hospital in the world. So like the Paul Newman formula. So that's why it's yeah. good for the soul. So you eat it, you get healthy, and you're you're helping helping save lives. From a from a perspective of being a quote unquote celebrity chef and just you know kind of the, the the TV element, I feel like there's a certain element of the culinary world that I don't want to say looks down on on celebrity chefs or, or the TV thing, but mm-hmm. it, it it seems somewhat disconnected. Has that ever been uh, kind of an issue for you, or have you ever run into anybody who's like, oh yeah, he's on TV, he doesn't count kind of thing? I'm sure there's naysayers. I mean, honestly, people wouldn't say that to my face. I'm sure people think that. <laughs> yeah. um, but, but I can honestly say I was a chef first before yeah. a chef on TV. So, you know, I shoot credit being a chef. And that's, that's my most important thing. I don't want, I don't want my fucking epithet to say awesome celebrity <laughs> chef. I want exactly. to say, I want to say he can cook. Yeah. That, that's so much more complimentary than celebrity chef. I hate the term celebrity chef. It's, is Brad Pitt a fucking celebrity actor? No, he's an actor, <laughs> yeah. right? Is, is, is That's Dick, a great was point. Was Poppy a celebrity baseball player? No, he was a baseball player. So why? Is, I'm a chef. Yeah, I'm a chef. You don't need to put celebrity in front of me. I'm just a chef. <laughs> I mean, that's all I, I cook. I take a piece of meat. I make yeah. it taste good. That's, that's all we do, right? And but fortunately, I know I'm a chef first. 
and yeah. I'm a cook first, right? I'd rather be actually being called a cook is a compliment. The best compliment we give to all our fellow chefs is all he's a cook's cook, meaning I will eat his food any day of the day. He cooks for cooks. A cook's cook is the best compliment you get, yeah. not celebrity chef. Celebrity chef, you're right. It has a, it has some bad connotations because there are some celebrity chefs that are on TV that can't cook their way out of a bag. Exactly. So there are those people too. I will definitely not mention any names because that's not going to help anyone. <laughs> <laughs> are you into Top Chef at all? Do you watch Top Chef? Uh, yeah, sort of. I mean, I've judged on it probably five times, right? Yeah. I was the original in LA when they had the first one where I met Salman Rushdie because he, he was dating. He was dating Padma at the time. <laughs> and he had a Yankees hat on. And I, you know, I knew who he was. I went right up to him and said, you know the Yankees suck, right? <laughs> he goes right at me. I said, sorry, Salman, I'm from Boston. He goes, oh, okay. Yeah, I guess we do if you're from Boston. And uh, so, yeah, I, I enjoy those shows. I mean, look, I did Next Time Chef, right? And yeah. that was a good six weeks of my life. And, and yes, I'm still myth I didn't win, but I'm over it almost. And, uh, um, but uh, yeah, I, I think, I think, um, I think there may be peaked the amount of competition chef shows we have now in the last five years. Um, it, it may be a little bit too many. I mean, there's like seven pastry shows now and yeah. there's of course chopped and, and I, I did cringe when I saw one of the judges on chop, like, Oh, the nuance of the jujubes really come through. I'm like, really? The nuance of the jujubes, really? You said that out loud, right? And so, like, scowls of jujubes, and like, okay, that's not cooking anymore. This is absurd. So, I think it's gone a little over. Um, but it's still cooking, and it's still getting people excited about cooking and excited about food. And I'm all for that, right? Well, that's I like mean, Top Chef, the one, the reason I bring it up too, um, Melissa, the, the, the champion, this, uh, and, I assume you haven't watched yeah. it, so I don't mean to ruin it for you if you haven't. But oh no, yeah, I know. Um, okay. Yeah, I know. Yeah, her. but I she's she's like her. East versus West. You know, she's like East West cuisine, San Francisco. Hundred oh, percent. It's awesome. You know, she actually when they did Top Chef Boston, and they did it down on the water there. Yeah. Um, I met Melissa for the first time, so this is probably ten years ago, maybe. And I voted then her dish. She did a. Uh, um, a very simple dumpling. It was freaking delicious. And she got my top vote that day. So it's no shocker that she's won it now. Um, she, she had game then, and this is maybe eight years ago. Yeah. Um, and I do remember my, my most bizarre top chef judging was with Tony Bourdain. Bless rest his rest soul. So missed. And Padma and Calicchio. And the call was 3 a.m. and in New Jersey Target. 3 a.m. <laughs> and Super Target. So I had a wine dinner that night. And I had to do my wine dinner to 10. I jump in a car and they drive me to New Jersey. I get there 2.30 a.m. They had to do it then because that's when Target's closed, right? So they wanted to shoot a whole thing in a Super Target. And it was a very good idea. It says, all right, you have all the Super Target's vegetables and meat, right? All right, you guys get an hour, make any dish you want. You can use any kitchen appliance in Target and any food item in Super Go. Right? Which is pretty cool because there's lots of kitchen appliances, right? So the guy that won ended up doing just a very simple, delicious hot tomato soup using a food process. But then he got two irons and he panini his grilled cheese with the two irons. <laughs> and it was very smart, very cool, and very effective. Uh, this is 3 to 7 a.m. we were shooting. So, <laughs> and then I remember afterwards, yes, we were drinking. Tony and I at like 7.30 a.m. somewhere because it was after work. <laughs> I usually don't drink at 7.30 a.m., but it was just it was after work, so we had to have a cocktail. Um, but, yeah, I, I, I think they're fun. I, I do think they're fun, and I do think – I think the Food Network, you know, took the PBS formula and just made it m more popular, more commercialized. And ultimately better, I think, for, for America because yeah. people started getting more into cooking. Well, what, what is that? Lemongrass. I don't know what that's about, right? So our palates started getting more educated. I mean, look, sweet greens, right? I mean, 25 years ago, I'm not sure sweet greens ever would have survived, right? And now it's the most thriving, yeah. awesome business ever. Absolutely. And, and, and that's that, a lot of that's through education. And, and I do give the food TV and PBS a lot of credit for that. You know, the Jacques of the world have been around for a long time. And, 
And I, I'm still a fan. I've been watching Jacques for freaking 50 years. Last question I've got for you. What, uh, what's, okay. where's somewhere that you, that you haven't been yet that's on your list? Um, I want to get to Noma. So, yeah, uh, Renee. Yeah. Yep. I've never been to Renee's joint, and we've met a couple of times doing various events. Um, that's definitely one that, that I need to get to. He just rebuilt um, it, too, or, or moved it. He, and, yeah, yeah, he's doing burgers right now. Yeah. He, yeah. He, it may never be like it used to be, unfortunately, um, because of um, just COVID, right? Then there's this great girl who I've cooked with in the CIA is Monique uh, Fizo, F-I-S-O. She's a New Zealand chef. And she's, uh, I saw her do a demo. It was incredible. She takes all this indigenous plants and, and the products of New Zealand and creates a super soigné uh, dining experience. And apparently it's just awesome to eat at a restaurant. So I got to go see Monique one day in New Zealand. Cool. Um, yeah, so those those would be the two. Awesome. Um, at this moment, and there's a lot more out there, right? But those two yeah. off the top of my head, and uh, and I'll get there. It's it's so depressing. Right? My 25th anniversary is September 2nd, and we had just grandiose plans of traveling the world, obviously. But now we're like, need them? Them? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Where can we drive? You know, I, 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 you know, it's just. Uh, we had a trip in, in, in April plan to the, uh, go to St. Andrews, go to the old course. And then I was actually flying. My wife's from Sweden. I was actually going to fly over to Stockholm and then go down to Copenhagen and actually go to Noma, uh, in April. And I was, so I'm all, oh. I'm still bummed about that. <laughs> so yeah, one day it'll come back. It will all come back. Uh, Ming's Bings is the website. Uh, people can, yeah, Get yeah, all the information and, and follow yeah. along there. Uh, and you mentioned the herd bracelets. Do you have a, is, is there a way people, if, if people want to support that, do you know of uh, like a website yeah. or a way to, I do. Let to me find give you, that? It's Chef Metal Jewelry. Chef Metal, like in tin metal jewelry, is his Instagram. Okay. Perfect. Yeah, that would be great. And he, he and I are literally... Chef, I just felt I'm going to try to figure out how to do that. But yeah, Ming's, 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 uh, com, then Ming.com too for more information on me in general. Perfect. Uh, awesome. And then fam, fam, familyreach.org would be a great one if you want to throw in the charity. Okay. All right. Perfect. Ming, thank you so much for your time yeah, and your pleasure. energy and, <laughs> and your message. Right. Yeah. W- wonderful. Favorite trapper, the absolute truth, yeah, no joke. Who 